to the Parenting in Uniform podcast. I'm your host, Claudia. I became a mom after 16 years of active duty service. That's when I discovered the unique challenges service members face during pregnancy, postpartum recovery, breastfeeding, and just dealing with military life while balancing families at home. I hope this podcast helps to enlighten senior leaders and new moms alike on parenting while serving our nation. Welcome back. Today we are speaking with First Lieutenant Silver Beatty. She's a dual military mother of three and an active member uh, and administrator on the Army Mom Life Facebook page. She's in the National Guard. Yeah, she's just an all-around badass mom who is doing all sorts of great things for fellow military moms. So welcome, Silver. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your military background? Yes. So I joined in, oh my goodness, 2009 as a, I actually enlisted as a combat medic back when they were still called combat medics. Um, Went there down to San Antonio, did all the fun stuff, came back, decided about three months later that I wanted to be an officer. Joined ROTC at my college and commissioned in 2014 as a military policeman. Since then, I've done platoon leader, EXO, law enforcement operations, and I'm currently a military police debt commander um, here in Montana. So that's kind of the quick and easy of it. <laughs> well, how is it in Montana right now? It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful up here. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting that two weeks of spring before it's deadly hot here. So there's that. So when did you have your kids when you were already in the military? Yeah. So uh, my oldest is eight. She'll be nine next month. And that was actually, she was my toughest one because I actually had her while I was in ROTC. And that was a huge struggle because I was a single mom and in that SMP contract. So simultaneous membership where I was a cadet also serving IDT weekends with my unit. And that was really hard because eight, nine years ago, that was before there was a lot of lactation guidance and postpartum guidance and all that stuff. Of course, I was the first pregnant cadet that our program had ever dealt with. I have so, never, I've never heard of a pregnant cadet, so I can only yeah, imagine. It was, it was a very interesting, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of, um, not threatening necessarily, but definitely a lot of assumptions that I would have to get out of the program, but I was under contract. So as a single mom being told I was going to have to pay that back tens of thousands of dollars in scholarship money was that was a rough go when I first, when I had my oldest for sure. And then my, my other two, I have a three-year-old and my youngest just turned two last week and I've had them back to back 18 months apart. So that was more recently, 2017, 2019. And things were a lot easier with them. Things have changed quite a bit between my oldest and my middle child. So mine turns two next week. So they're pretty close in age. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Youngest. Happy mm-hmm. early birthday. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Came so fast. So as far as, you know, your husband's also in the military. Did you guys meet in ROTC or at your unit? We actually met. It's interesting. I was his medic. He was an MP in the unit that I was in for my initial contract. We were friends back then. He deployed. I was pregnant with my oldest. And then we reconnected. He was injured overseas. And we reconnected while he was in rehab trying to go through a lot of surgeries and get better and all that fun stuff. And then when he finally was able to make it back to Montana, about six months later, we were reconnected, started dating, and it's been cliche happily ever after. 
<laughs> right. That's great. <laughs> so you have been working on a lot of different projects. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Women's Inclusion Committee is and what you've been oh, yeah. doing with that? I've never heard yeah, of it absolutely. before. Um, so it's something, you know, if you look at the big army, I know my team is really working hard on establishing what they call a women's initiative team with the big army and looking at kind of what the WIT does for the Marines and the Air Force. It seemed like something that absolutely the big army needs to have. However, when things happen at the big army level, they usually take quite a while to reach the National Guard level. So looking at really the overall vision and idea behind a women's initiative team, I thought, why not make it a, a state-based or take something like that, kind of duplicate it and make it state-based within our own organization here in Montana. So I had this good idea fairy pop up that just wouldn't go away to have a Montana National Guard Women's Inclusion Committee. So it falls under the joint diversity and inclusion team that we have here. That's really just kind of doing the same things that a normal women's initiative team would do, which is you know, a lot of advocacy, a lot of kind of being the interim or the, I guess, middleman, if you will, between soldiers and leadership to try to try to help with a lot of female-based issues. And just overall, is kind of that voice for some of our junior enlisted junior officers that don't know don't know what they don't know. And same with commands. It's something that my vision, my plan for it is to really create something that commands can go to just like you would with EO and Sharp and have kind of an SME there that can tell you anything you need to know regulation-wise, policy-wise about women's issues in the military. Yeah, that's that's a great idea to just start it off at the state level. So that way you don't have to wait for big army to catch up or national guard to catch up with big army rather. Right, right. As far as even just the Army Mom Life Facebook page, it seems like how many, I mean, I see dozens and dozens of posts a day kind of pop up there and they're serious topics. I mean, everything from COVID vaccine to sexual assaults and also, my goodness, just the the full gamut. How many posts are there and how is, do you even find time to help manage all of that as an admin? So I am one of the more low-key admins, to be completely honest on there. Sergeant Nicole Pierce is the one that dreamt up and came up with that entire plan. She started the Facebook group last year and invited me at some point last year to assist with it. I think, oh, I'm probably lying here. I want to say we have seven or eight admins and mods right now. I would say a really good indication of how many we get is we closed on May 2nd. We closed the group down to new posts in honor of Mother's Bereavement Day. And I think we had over 30 posts that we had to go through the next morning, along with seven or eight anonymous posts. So close to 40 posts in one day that we had to go through. And the way that we work it out, honestly, is we when we have time, we check in and we have an awesome flow. The group works really well. We're spanned across from Washington, D.C. all the way out to Hawaii. So we cover a lot of time zones. And when we have a moment, we get in there. We all kind of have our niches. So I, along with another admin, um, help with the anon posts that come through. So it is it is a second, I don't want to say full-time job. It's definitely a part-time job, voluntary. <laughs> but it's busy right. in there. It's incredible when we have 5.4 thousand members, I think, right now, somewhere in there, 5.6 maybe. And a lot of women have a lot of questions and it's, it's incredible that we've given them that space. It is an incredible space. You all do a really professional job with it as well. Yeah. yeah very respectful environment. So 
most recently, April was the month of the military child and your family was featured, <laughs> you know, for that, for the month of the military child. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's certainly a very special recognition, but what does it mean um, to you? So it was extra special this year. Um, my husband returned from deployment. He was gone for over a year. Last year, he came home in October of 2020. Um, and then I am actually deploying in October of 2021. So this is our in-between deployments year. And just having that, you know, I've always been proud of our kids or military kids and all those fun things. But this year, it's just a little extra special because we're finishing the reintegration process. Anybody that's deployed or has had a spouse deploy understands that that takes a few months sometimes. And now we're gearing up for my deployment process. And seeing our kids just, you know, like mornings like today, our daughter goes to a private school 20 minutes away from our house the opposite direction of work our son of our sons have a nanny that live 20 minutes from our daughter's school which is about 35 minutes from work so it's about an hour-long car ride every day to get everybody dropped off and then of course the same process going home and you know it's not quite the same as active duty and understand active duty has you know the cdc issues and after hours and weekends and things like that but just seeing how adaptable our kids are to you know, my husband being gone for a year and our youngest was only five months when he left and he was wrapped around daddy's finger within two days of him coming home. So I think just celebrating and recognizing how resilient and how incredibly strong and adaptable kids are, especially in military households is, is huge. And it was, it was awesome when we got approached and asked if us as dual mill um, would be up for a quick little photo shoot and snippet about us. So <laughs> that's great. Where was it featured? It was on our National Guard recruiting page, recruiting, and then our child, child youth and programs pages. And then it kind of just went crazy from there. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, okay, you, you mentioned the CDC, which is a child development center and active duty hours and weekends. So I don't know of a CDC that's open on weekends. I wish that'd be awesome. And the one that in my post here, it closes at 5 p.m. So it's never been an option for me because <laughs> I can't leave that. And that's partially with COVID. And my suspicion is they, they're closing earlier so they have time to clean, but I'm not too sure. So I've also been managing nannies. I'm on, I, I just, completed time with my third nanny who unfortunately she's getting a divorce and so you know she's a dependent which meant she can't stay here in Germany where I'm stationed so within 10 days she was heading back to the U.S. so now I'm integrating my son into a German preschool (laughs) which is pretty cool but it's a slow process here so the integration into the school is up to four weeks long and so I'm on leave this week And the way it works is each day, he progressively can stay a little bit longer. But the first three days is just one hour a day. And I have to be there with him every day for the first uh, at least three to four weeks. And I can't take that much time off from work. And so I have um, different friends who are going to be going to school with him. <laughs> oh wow, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's a really slow process here, but it's so it's less shock for the the kids, you know, because it's not just like drop them off and you run away and they cry because <laughs> you've just abandoned them some new strange place. It's not like that at all, but it makes it really complicated for me as a single mom as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember that with my oldest. It was, I mean, shoot, even married and like I said, dual mill, it's childcare is probably one of the biggest issues. And I would say absolutely one of the top issues women get out and stop wearing the uniform is simply because childcare is just so difficult and COVID did not help with that at all. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I've done quite a few episodes about that too. Um, but well, it's childcare in particular. So I would say though, that I'm now going to save some money doing the preschool. And the best part of all is they also serve breakfast. So it's breakfast, oh, lunch, afternoon <laughs> snack. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so the episode that where we discuss childcare challenges, it's episode number 33 with Janice Scholl. And it's called Career Breaks to Navigate Childcare and School Challenges. What's interesting about that discussion was how it can, you can all, you can usually make more money in the long run if you just suck it up and just keep driving on and, you know, pay for the, those extraordinary childcare costs, which I thought was interesting because I know for a lot of people you get out because you're, you're paying to go to work, you mm-hmm. know, childcare can be so crazy expensive. My nannies, I mean, worth every penny, but it was definitely pricey. And oh, absolutely. I, I would have done no pair, but because I'm not a, European Union uh, citizen, I was, we're not allowed to here as part of the SOFA agreement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. So that makes it even more difficult over there. Oh, especially because your normal support network isn't present. So like my family can't just, I can't just quickly drive to them or long-term friends. So I had to start from scratch with friends (laughs) for the most part. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the cost is, I can understand that, you know, being a junior tech, an officer, but getting that tech pay is helpful. My husband's an E7 AGR. So we still though, between my daughter's private school and our two boys' nanny, we we pay over 2000 a month for childcare. And oh, yep, that's where I was at too. Mm-hmm. How, how can you expect anybody to afford that? You know, it, it it's just childcare is, childcare is tough. And like you said, paying the paying to go to work, but definitely long-term sticking it out. I've got eight years left. My husband's got just under eight years left. We're going to make it work. (laughs) Do it. I mean, it's rewarding for yourself. And, you know, if you do it right, ultimately your kids will respect you for it as well. And you'll be able to provide more for them. Yeah, for sure. It gives opportunities and more freedom in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's been a lot of great changes recently for women in the military as well. You know, obviously just this year alone, I'm wearing earrings every day and loving it, (laughs) you know, but also bigger things like when it comes to professional military education for postpartum, pregnant and postpartum women still being able to attend now and also getting those promotions. What other changes would you like to see be made in order to continue to help women serve in the military? You know, and that's, that's a really great question. We had, you know, that white paper, I'm not sure if you've ever if you referred to the white paper that the admin team put together very much, but you know, there's five things that we talked about in there. And one of them was the body fat 600 nine um, body fat, body composition program, basically that was approved to defer height weight for women until one year rather than the 180 days post delivery. So that one, that has already been a change. That was huge. That's something that personally affected me three times, two times, especially as I was a little bit older with my last two. The PME thing is really big, but I think the next thing at my level as a National Guard soldier is I 
really want to see a solid education program for our commanders and first sergeants. We have, and I know active duty has a commander first sergeant course. I'm, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know length of time or any of that, but I know here in Montana, we have a one week long program and it's, you know, zero eight to 17 chock full of the entire week of classes. And you learn everything from GSS army to all these different policies to everything you should know as a commander, accountability, equipment, pre-deployment, all this stuff. And when I went through it two years ago, there was no mention of female-based policy. In the Army Mom Life group, we see a lot, I would say a large majority, or at least a large chunk of our posts that we get are just commanders being unaware of the policies, being unaware of their left and right limits, and that they're a lot wider than they really think. But sometimes they really don't get to say that it's already written in regulation or policy. So I think just education of leaders at this point, to me, is the next thing I really want to see. I'm putting together, I was given a 30-minute block for our our state's course this year. We only hold it once a year that I'll be talking about a lot of pregnancy and postpartum and lactation policy because, again, a lot of the stuff that we see is soldiers being told they have to go to the field and they're not allowed to pump or they can only pump once or twice a day because commanders, you know, I, I always say you don't know what you don't know, but once you do, you don't have an excuse anymore. And... We just seem to have a huge lack of education when it comes to the biological needs of women, especially pregnant postpartum. When you're talking about something as simple as, you know, being on your cycle and having your period in the field, how can leadership best support that? How can they understand what women need when they're in that position? And so I would say the next big thing is just a huge push for true education for those leaders to understand what they can and can't do and what they should and shouldn't do when it comes to females in their ranks. Yeah, that's really important. So I would say commanders tend to be unaware because women in general are just such a small proportion of the population in the army or in any military service, but, Mm -hmm. but we're growing. And, you know, now that there's females serving in units that traditionally were only male units it's becoming more pronounced now where there's that lack of education. This episode is sponsored by Mamava, the leading expert in lactation space design. Mamava provides compliant lactation space solutions to meet the needs of breastfeeding parents and the organizations that support them. Mamava pods can be opened with a free app, which also helps moms find thousands of places to pump on the go, including on military bases around the world. Mamava is on GSA contract. Head over to mamava.com for more info. Yeah, the regulations exist, the policies exist. So it's just making sure that commanders don't think that it's ultimately up to them to make the decision. No, the regulation is the decision, is the guiding force, really. So I will be going myself to the um, battalion commander pre-command course this year. So battalion commander, command sergeant major. So I do look forward to seeing what the education is there. And Mm -hmm. if it's lacking, you can be sure I will make some pretty strong AAR comments about that. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And that's huge. I think that's where it comes from is when I went through it, it didn't even occur to me, to be honest. And I'd had three kids at that point. I think I was four months postpartum. Um, and I was taking command the next month and I, it didn't really even occur to me that this wasn't a thing, but that's because I have, I don't feel like I need the education, which of course I do, but 
having been through three kids and three, I was at that point had been breastfeeding for over three years. It was not something that even really occurred until I got involved and included in this army mom life group with all these wonderful women that really brought it to my eyes that, yeah, of course, commanders are, are unaware because they're not being educated anywhere. And what better place than before they even take command, get them, even if it's 30 minutes, one hour, because you'll have commanders that, you know, well, my wife was running three weeks after she had a baby. And so having that empathy and understanding for everybody that not every pregnancy is the same, not every woman breastfeeds, not every woman is able to run or do sit-ups immediately. Some women are still bleeding at four or five weeks postpartum. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just important to have those conversations because you even have women in uniform that haven't given birth. So they're, if you, if you don't know, you can't really empathize as much. I just think those talks are important and having those discussions within that education realm is, is going to do nothing but best serve our females. So for those of us who think there's no way a little old me can change the army or make any sort of difference for women in the military, do you have any advice on where to start, you know, whether it's just some small, simple way that we can each make a difference to support each other a little bit more, specifically supporting mothers who serve in uniform? Do you have any advice for us? Um, yeah, I would say connect, connect with other women, connect with other leaders, um, there's no way the Army Mom Life would be where it would be without having a whole team. You know, we've got women at the Pentagon. We've got people that just know, have connections to certain people. And we've created those bonds and strengthened those over the last few months, especially. And then on the Montana side, I went straight to a CW5, a female CW5. And again, the Women's Inclusion Committee would have never happened without her backing, her taking it to the chief of staff and really pushing for it with me. So while I'm a junior leader, I've been around for uh, over a decade, but I'm still a junior officer. My, my best advice is find those leaders that will champion for you. Find the leaders that have the passion or at least are open to understanding your passion and just continue connecting because the Army is a, an organization of networks. It's an organization of connection. You have to know certain people and the only way to do that is to reach out and not be afraid to tag people on Twitter or make appointments with different leaders or talk to who you know to connect to other leaders. So while we as individuals really can't make a huge change on our own, finding those people and just having having a, a shared passion, a shared drive to make the change is where the culture ultimately will change. Right. So if, if there's someone who who's listening and wants to, you know, initiate something, can easily reach out to myself. I'm at parenting in uniform at gmail.com. Plus, I have the Facebook page and also Twitter. I'm mom in uniform on Twitter. And you're very active on Twitter as well. I am. I, I didn't. I was way behind, probably a decade behind everybody. I didn't get a Twitter until February, I think. <laughs> this this February, um, yeah. That's where all the senior February. leaders are. So <laughs> that's is. really the only Mill. reason to be there. <laughs> Mill Twitter is a thing. And I have connected actually with, you know, um, Jill Longoria. I connected with her on Twitter. I'm doing an ROTC LPD next week that I connected with the gal through Twitter on that and had direct tweets back and forth with the SMA. It's been Twitter is a place to be right now. Facebook's kind of becoming the old MySpace and yep. Twitter is the next place to be for military. Yep. 
Sergeant Major of the Army, he's pretty active on there. Just so straight up ask, you know, <laughs> what question, what do you what do you have going on? What can I help you with? So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. How about mom guilt? Do you ever feel mom guilt or do you ever feel like you're screwing up as a mother <laughs> in general? Oh, I, I mean, think it's I think the shorter answer would be when do I not feel mm-hmm. that? But yeah, absolutely. Especially right now between, you know, you're you're on one hand incredibly amazed at how resilient these kids are and knowing that you know I can go for a year and come back and everything's going to be okay my oldest is getting to the point where I think it's going to start affecting her a little bit more but the boys they probably don't even remember dad being gone last year and I'm not sure that it's going to make much of a difference with me being gone but I think even this morning you know leaving trying to get to work a little bit early was just hard because I usually do the drop-offs for the kids so even that guilt of not being in the car for the 30 minutes in the morning, the guilt of looking forward to going to work so you can kind of get away from it for a minute. There's constant guilt. There's so many different aspects of it too, where you feel guilty for wanting to get away. You feel guilty for getting away. I don't, I don't know that it ever stops to be honest. Right. And for, for all the planning, for all those times, you're definitely going to be away, mm-hmm. you know, oh, and, shoot, right. my daughter's birthday. And I know, again, active duty has things much, it's much different, sometimes more difficult, but something as simple as my daughter, her birthday is in June and I have a two week training right there. I'm going to miss her birthday. And uh, I'm even just that, even though it's, I'll still be in the same town. I just probably won't see her much on her birthday and I'm going to miss her 10th birthday while I'm deployed. It's, just that guilt. Is she going to remember that? Does she really care if mom was there or not? Probably not. Um, but I carry that with me a lot. Something as simple as just missing those little things and missing those moments. So it's, it's a hard balance, but like we talked about that pushing this career forward and all the benefits that come with this career, all the things that they'll benefit from as they get older kind of keeps me level, I think more than anything. That's good. So what else are you working on? Any other new initiatives? The initiative stuff, not as much here in Montana. We've got quite a bit. The The Women's Inclusion Committee has some pretty strong lines of effort, pretty big visions, I guess. We're trying to get as much done as we can before I deploy since I'm chairing the committee. We have a lieutenant colonel and a master sergeant that are helping for the senior leadership side of it. But there's things as simple as we don't have a very good female mentorship program here in Montana. There, we're putting together a plan to kind of, I call it like a match.com for the National Guard, where we're trying to match mentors with mentees and really start those conversations. Because for me personally, I didn't have much of a mentor until I commissioned. I had, you know, my ROTC APMS was a female, but I now have a very, very strong mentor who's in the White House as a fellow. I don't, we don't share a lot in common but I wish that I'd had a mentor earlier in my career and probably somebody that's got a family and kids here in Montana would be, I'm still reaching out for somebody. And then the P3T program is really big on the active duty side. That's something that doesn't exist here at all. That pregnancy postpartum physical training. We don't have that here. And looking at the numbers, we have, I believe 23 women that are currently pregnant or within their 180 days postpartum. We got those numbers before the the change to the 365 days. So knowing that there's 23 women doesn't seem much, but again, we're in Montana. We don't have a large soldier base. Knowing that that many women could could benefit from having a P3T program 
means a lot to us too. I could have, right. I could have benefited and I was the only postpartum female yeah. on my base when it happened. And I think yeah. <laughs> when, and I, and yeah, our, when I needed our big it. plan here, or at least my big plan that we're trying to get done before I deploy is to make it an app, a remote system. Because again, National Guard, we, we only see each other, MDRs only see each other two, three times a month, two, three days a month. But having an app that has the manual on there has some sort of demonstration of the exercises. I know the a, a friend of ours or a friend of mine, one of the co-admins in the group is working and I think has just finished a P3T white paper that kind of reworks the entire program, modifies it, makes it a little bit more in line with health recommendations, pelvic floor specialists. So as that starts to get revamped, we'll revamp the app here, but just a remote base for our soldiers. We have soldiers that live in towns of 20 people, you know, (laughs) they don't have access to a gym. They don't have access to a trainer or anything like that. So I think something like that is going to be hugely beneficial, whether we have, like you said, one person or 23 or 48 women I think even me two years postpartum I could probably benefit from a p3t program at this point I've got some severe hernia issues and um, a little bit of dr going and a good separation in my wall so um, Mm -hmm. yeah I just had a physical therapy appointment today oh you know, related to birth. So, no, it doesn't. But does the active duty even have a P3P app? I don't believe they do. I so that's something that. that I brought up with Sergeant Major Ellis or Curry, one of the two on Mill Twitter. Mm-hmm. We talked about putting together an app. I think it kind of died at that tweet, but it got the conversation going a little bit. So I yeah. think it would be something pretty simple. I know that the gals that are working on that white paper have talked about doing an app as well once the program has changed. Tell, great. Tell us about the white paper as well. Oh, um, so the original <laughs> one, the, I shouldn't say the original one. There's there's millions of white papers out there, but. Do you mean the Athena Thriving? Um, no, I am not part of the Athena Thriving part. Um, I am, I was a little bit of help. I was, I'm considered a co-author, but I didn't have a ton of input on the uh, white paper with the five proposals that we did for pregnancy postpartum. So that was the, the body composition program deferring to one year rather than six months, the um, PME making it so that women could go to PME pregnancy post or pregnant postpartum. There's about five proposals in there total, including the education, some sort of better education, health, better healthcare, all that jazz. So silver, what else would you like to share with us? Anything else? Oh goodness. That's such an open-based question. <laughs> not, not really. Just, you know, if this is something that you, I think so many women are affected by a policy that really wasn't written for us, you know, regulations that weren't written for us, regulations that didn't take our needs into account. And those are slowly changing. And I think staying on the optimistic side rather than pessimistic, which, you know, I can even say after 12 years, I'm, I saw my moments of doubt of the culture changing, but we're seeing it slowly but surely it's taken you know we're only depending on the year 18 to 21 percent of the force and we have to connect with our male champions too we have to connect to our male leaders that are willing to go to bat for us and have those conversations and and push for those regulation and policy changes so just staying optimistic understanding that we actually have a lot more people on our side so to speak than we realize is important and if you know the driving factor for me staying in is changing and making the army 
what I wanted it to be when I joined and making it something that I, that I recommend and want my daughter to want to be a part of. I think that's a, that's a huge thing and my son's, but really I want to foster and create that kind of environment that is really supportive and inclusive of my daughter. So that's, that's where my stance is and what keeps me going every day. And hopefully that resonates with other people. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for spending time to speak with us today. I really appreciate it. And good luck pinning on captain. I hope that happens soon for you. Me too. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for having me. It means a lot. It's, It's a pretty special thing to be able to talk about all the projects that I've kind of kept to myself or kept, you know, slowly vocal lately, but it's really awesome to get a chance to actually talk about them. So thank you. Yes, and I hope you serve as encouragement for others to do the same within their states, National Guard Reserve, or to carry it on into the active component as well. And honestly, if anybody out there has questions or wants to connect with me or wants to understand more about, you know, what I'm doing with the WIC and wants to duplicate it in their area, they can find me on globalsilver.l.baity and I'm I'm happy to talk to anybody that's that's willing to talk to me. So Great. And I will put links in the show notes as well for anything that you mentioned, the white paper as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with someone who can benefit from this information. You can also follow the Parenting in Uniform Facebook page to stay up to date on the latest news related to military parents and families. Thank you for listening. This podcast has no affiliation with the Department of Defense, nor any of the military units or organizations mentioned. This podcast is for information only. Statements and views made by guests are not necessarily those of the host, and no statements should be construed as fact or medical advice.